Well, good morning and happy July 4th to each of you, those who are in the room and those who are online. My name is not James Merritt. So forgive me for that one introduction. My name is Mike Daniels, and it is a privilege, privilege to stand in this pulpit for him as he takes a couple of weeks off. And today is uh, July the 4th, Independence Day. This is a day that we celebrate our freedom as a nation. It's a day that we enjoy lots of different things. Perhaps you're going to a cookout today, maybe tomorrow if you're off tomorrow. Maybe it was yesterday. There's a lot of powerful imagery that uh, comes with this holiday. So I thought about several this week, and I thought as I stand in this pulpit on July the 4th, I thought, hey, listen, July the 4th it reminds me of bicycle parades as a kid with the streamers coming off the handlebars. It reminds me of American flags hung from the porches or cheap old Navy t-shirts. Everybody's got at least one cheap old Navy t-shirt. Watermelon, hot summer nights, back when I was a kid, I used to catch lightning bugs in jars, and I'd have to stick holes in the top so they wouldn't die. But I remember more than anything else, the thing that my dog hates the least in this world, or hates the most in this world, is fireworks. Fireworks, people f shooting off fireworks that have no more business shooting off fireworks than the man in the moon. I remember, I'll never forget the bottle rocket that my neighbor shot that almost went up my nose. I remember one time we were at the beach and I took my kids. I was a proud dad moment. I had these little kids with me. Come on, kids. Let's get as close as we can get to the fireworks. The fireworks went off and literally the spent casings of the fireworks were falling on my children's heads. Not my proudest parenting moment. These unique imagery for all of us today on this special day are symbols of our freedom. They're symbols where we just we wear a shirt that has a flag. I saw some of you wear a shirt on the flag. I saw a guy with his first name and last name starts with an M. So I didn't know if it stand, stood for his first name, his last name, or the M stood for America. I wasn't sure, but he's got the whole thing. So this morning, as we look at symbols, I'm a visual person this morning. Maybe you are as well. I like to see things in real, real time. They help me organize my thoughts. In fact, in my office, I use symbols all the time. In fact, where we meet in my office throughout the week, behind the people that meet with me on a ledge overlooking uh, kind of the window sill there, I have four symbols that just help gently remind me of what's important. I'm going to show you a couple of those. The first thing is a creosote log. Perhaps you've seen this before. It's a railroad tie. Okay, it's a, a cutout section of a railroad tie. It sits on my windowsill there. And it just reminds me over and over that sometimes legacy building is dirty, it's hard, it's long, it's tiresome, but faithfulness to the task over the years will pay off. Now, let me tell you about this railroad tie. No, go back to the other one. I'm sorry. The railroad tie is this. My father in 1982 bought a new house. We moved. And in that 1982 time frame, what took place was I remember my dad had a bunch of these creosote logs thrown into the yard. He had a truck deliver them. And I said, Dad, what are we going to do with these? He said, we're going to make flower beds. And so what took place on that moment is he went back and we flipped these logs over end over end because we couldn't pick them up. These, these timbers are, are soaked with oil so they don't rot. 
We made a flower bed that day, and almost 30 years later, this symbol to me is sometimes legacy building takes time, it's hard, it's dirty work. The second thing is, is a feather duster. Uh, I have this symbol in my office. It just reminds me that yesterday's peacock is today's feather duster. It reminds, me, it reminds me that I must work today. I can't sit back on what I did yesterday or the day before because the glory and the grandeur of that peacock one day will turn into a feather duster. It just reminds me that today is unique and we have the opportunity to work hard. The next symbol is a baton. Maybe my favorite symbol, it's, it's the reminder that disciple-making has to be in close proximity. It's this idea that you cannot throw a baton. We have the Olympics coming up soon. You will see the relay races, and you will see one man passing a baton to the next man. You can't throw it. You can't email it. You can't teleport it. You can't fax it. You simply have to hand it off one person to another. And it just reminds me that day in and day out, the task of disciple-making must be done in close proximity. The last symbol is this. It's an anvil. I say these words, a, a legacy of leadership is forged on the anvil of time. You've seen that picture before. You've seen an anvil. It's such that you, you take this and you beat something into submission until it's in the shape or the form that it was intended to be. Again, it takes hard work, it takes uh, labor, it takes, uh, sometimes there's sparks that fly off this. Sometimes you have to heat the metal in order to form and fashion it into what you've desired. It reminds me that character is built over time and it's hard work. And so these items, they remind me of a couple things. They remind me of something from the past they remind me that, hey, God will help me and navigate the future. Not only God will do it, but these symbols remind me in the moment. I may be in a meeting, but I will look over someone's head and just remain calm. This is work. This is something that's going to stand the test of time. So let's plow through this as long as it takes to do what is right. It also is a reminder that we must pursue outcomes for the future that will help us get to our preferred future. Joshua 4, our passage this morning, Joshua 4 teaches us about a symbol. Just like those in my office, a pile of dirty river rock will remind God's people that God provided for them in the past. He is trustworthy in the present, and God can be relied upon for the future. Now, before we go much further, let me remind you of the story. Last year, we started in summer. We kind of did a couple of lessons in Joshua. Let me just remind you, we're going to be in Joshua chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you have a phone, go ahead and begin turning there. Remember, Moses, the, the servant of the Lord, the leader of God's people who got to this point and led the people of God through slavery and the wanderings of the wilderness for 40 years is now dead. Moses is dead. The people have waited 40 long years to go into this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey and giant grapes, and the Bible says giant people. And Joshua has been appointed at this time to be the new leader. He is young, but he is God-honoring. He has witnessed the strong hand of God, guide his mentor and his friend Moses, and now it is Joshua's turn to lead. 
And Joshua tell, uh, God tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, it says this, Be strong, Joshua. Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Joshua is to lead the people of God, the Israelites, into the promised land, a land that was promised to Abraham back in Genesis chapter 12. Joshua chapter 3, filling us in on the gaps. Joshua chapter 3 tells the story of God parting the Jordan River so the people would be able to have a clear path home. They've been wandering all these years. They set their eyes on their land that God had given them, and then they come up against a natural barrier, a river. This was not just any normal river. This was a river at flood stage after the spring rains. They come across and they have this pile of people. Sometimes we think of the Israelites as a little band of people. No, think of the city of Dallas or the city of Atlanta moving all at once. This was not a small feat. They come up against a swollen river. And the order of events takes place is really important. Joshua says, hey, listen, you've got all these people packed up against this river. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to realize there's something that first must take place. I want you to get the priest, and I want you to tell them to put the Ark of the Covenant on their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant was this big wooden box that held the Ten Commandments. It, it was the place where the very symbol of the presence of God dwelt for the Old Testament. He said, the priest shall carry the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as they step the first foot in that Jordan River the sea will part, the river will part. And it's this picture for you and I today that God is always to go first. The presence of the Lord is always to go first. Now in every situation this morning, I want you to know that God goes before you, think about this, the priest with the Ark of the Covenant, they stepped foot in that river, they saw the waters pile up, the people walked across on dry land, and then after it was all over and it was done, the people then were finished. The priests then went last. They stepped out of the river. God goes before you. The Ark of the Covenant went before you. The Ark of the Covenant goes after you. A good reminder. The Bible says in chapter 4, verse 11, that the people passed over in haste. Can you imagine the picture of this wall of water that's all piled up? The rest of the water has already gone downstream. There is this dry riverbed, and Joshua says, okay, it's safe. Come on. I can't imagine how tall that water, wall of water was, but don't you imagine that you would scurry across too? That's what I love about the Bible is when you read the Bible, you see these little things that they hurried over in haste. Now, here's where I want to pick up our story today. I want to pick up our story today in Joshua chapter 4, verse 1. If you have your Bibles, would you read along with me? When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people from each tribe, a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the feet of the priests stood firmly and bring them over with you and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Now, let me give you the picture. You have the picture. There are 12 families on that are God's people, the Israelites. There was 12 families, 12 tribes of Israel. And they said, each family grab one man. Grab one man and then I want you to then take one stone per family and I want you to carry it up out of the river. 
And Joshua said this, verse six, that they may know that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the, Lord, before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, today on this day that we celebrate America's freedom and we rally under the banner of an American flag, we find a story this morning that unifies the nation. The nation, and instead of a flag, the story sees the people of God unifying under a pile or around a pile of rocks. May this story give us a glimpse of your glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me remind you this morning, on July, this fourth day of July, as believers this morning, and for those of you online, thank you for joining us, but this morning is really important that we all, whether you're sitting in this room or joining us online, that our freedom is, our, our freedom is not secured by a constitution. Our freedom is not secured by an administration or on a battlefield or in a courtroom or at the ballot box. This morning, as believers, our freedom is found in Christ Jesus and seen in our Christian faith and practice. And you see, that is important for us to grasp with on this day because there's a couple things I want you to see this morning. The first thing is believers trust supremely. Believers in the Lord Jesus, they trust supremely. The people of God who had witnessed one more salvation moment after another are standing on the backside of seeing the Jordan River pile up and walking across on dry land. And they're willing to go and do anything that the Lord has commanded. Why? Because they trust God supremely. Even if they scurried along quickly, they scurried along. When they came up on that river and saw the water piled up and they got across the river, the riverbed that was dried for them to walk on, they remembered at that point. They remembered their ancestor one day was walking in the wilderness and God provided manna in the wilderness. They remembered they needed direction and God provided a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day. They remembered the stories of their ancestors saying, hey, God's people have been in battle after battle time and time again, but God has never allowed them to be destroyed. Time after time, God has proven that he will finish what he starts. Chapter 4, verse 10 reads this way. It says, for the priest bearing the Ark of the Covenant stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished. You see, those priests stayed all day long waiting for the people of God to walk across. God will finish what he starts. It's a vivid picture for all of us that God goes before us, he is going behind us, and he will finish what he starts. Second thing I want you to see is this. Believers follow obediently. Verse eight says this, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded. They, they obeyed, said just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan. Now this is the second telling. Remember, what I read earlier was them saying, this is what you shall do. Now this is saying what they are doing and what they did. 
And they took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, the families, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. You see, believers trust supremely, but we also act. The people and the priest did what they were told. In the Old Testament, the Old Testament had the law and they had the prophets. They had the law of Moses. They knew what to do based on the law, the Ten Commandments. They also had the prophets. They also had the people of God that they followed as their guide. Today, we have the finished work of Jesus on a cross. And we have his word, the Bible. You see, Jesus is our guide and the Bible is our instruction manual. And that is why last week, our pastor stood in this pulpit and he said, hey, would you go on a journey? Would you go on a 30-day journey with us? Would you simply say, hey, listen, I'm going to log on to the app, I'm going to register, and I'm going to start a 30-day Bible reading. And so today, even today, I want to invite you to go to this website right here, crosspointchurch.com slash Bible. And start today. If you didn't start last week, we had a great number of people that said, hey, I want, I want to be a part of that. But if you didn't start, it starts afresh and anew. So if you sign up today, it'll start new. Believers are to follow the leader and his instructions. Just as kids go to recess and say, let's play follow the leader. May we in this room and those of you online, may we follow the leader and may we follow the leader's instructions. Believers trust supremely. They follow obediently. Number three, believers celebrate publicly. Look at verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. Now stop right there. Hold that right there real quick. Let me remind you, I'm going pretty quick this morning. This is a good reminder to all of you. If you've not downloaded the app, all of the sermon notes are in the app for you, and it'll actually auto-populate if you get the wrong answer. So I encourage you, get the app. Uh, if you want to get ahead a little bit, you can go kind of check ahead if you're early. But just know I went quick there. It's in the app. And those 12, st and those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. So here's the deal. God told Joshua, said, listen, when you take those stones, when those people take those stones, you set them in the middle of the public square of Gilgal. You let this be a public reminder that people have to walk around this pile of stones. Hey, what's that for? What is that there? Why is it in the way? Just like my shoes in the middle of the hallway. Do you remember Jesus? Similarly, he said to the disciples in Matthew chapter five on the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. You see, these memorial stones were set up in Gilgal in the public square for everybody to see. Hide it under a bushel? No, I'm gonna let it shine. I'm going to let these rocks be in the middle of the public square so that someone will come by and say, what are those there for? You see, believers, they celebrate publicly. They proclaim the goodness of the Lord. They, they're quick to remind people, hey, that's God who did that in my life. God is the one who protected me in that car accident. God is the one who did this. God is the one who lifted me up. And I'm going to humble myself before him because it is not about me. 
this weekend, many of you, either yesterday or today or tomorrow, will not be afraid to show your allegiance to America through public displays of patriotism, flags and fireworks and red, white, and blue. Neither should we hide the greatness of our God. Believers trust supremely because he has a history of being trustworthy. That's right. They have a history of being trustworthy. They follow obediently the leader as in his instructions. They celebrate publicly so that all may see what the Lord has done. The fourth thing, believers remember constantly. Believers remember constantly. Verse 21 reads this way. And he said to the people, Joshua said to the people, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea. You see, he reminds people, hey, this isn't the first time God has, has parted a body of water. This is just the latest miracle, miraculous thing that God is doing so that he might get glory to himself. These verses give us a glimpse of how this remembering, believers remember constantly. This gives us a glimpse of how this remembering will take place. It will take place as parents teach their children. Parents, you are the primary disciple makers in your home. Let me see if I can say it as succinctly as possible. Your children will mimic your habits. You prioritize sports scores in the morning over the scriptures, so will they. You make more money than you make disciples, so will they. You talk ugly, so will they. You lay in the bed on Sundays, so will they. However, let's flip this on his head and also say it this way. You walk uprightly, so will they. You spend time in God's word, so will they. You ask forgiveness when you wrong them, so will they. You serve, so will they. You give, so will they. You tell others about Jesus, so will they. The priorities you keep today will not only be the priorities of your children tomorrow, but your children's children for decades to come. You are leaving a legacy. Whether you want to think of it that way or not, you're leaving a legacy. What are you modeling to your children? I promise you this morning as they walk by that pile of stones, they say, hey, listen, what are these here for? Let me tell you, that river right over there was parted. We all walked right through there, grandpa, grandma, and we saw the hand of God working. And this pile of stones is so that you remember whatever you're going through right now, God can handle that. He is faithful. He is worthy to be trusted. He will never fail as we sang just a few moments ago. Practically speaking, let me ask you the question, do you have dinner with your kids? Some of you have already aged out of that, but maybe your adult children, when was the last time you sat down and asked them about their quiet times, about their walk with Christ, whether they are attending church and involved in a Bible study and being encouraged weekly with the word? Do you have devotion time with your kids, perhaps some of you young parents? 
Has there been a prayer time with you and your wife lately? Are you personally mentoring someone? What about this? What about, have you had somebody over for dinner lately? There's a couple in this room right now that they simply just moved. And one of the desires of their heart is, I want to use this house for the glory of Christ. I want to have people in it. I want to have discipling relationships in this house. Do you see your house in that way? I promise you, you'll never, for, you'll never regret saying, God, whatever it is you wish and whatever it is you want, we will follow. As believers, we are to constantly remember what the Lord has done in our lives. Number five, believers share liberally. Let's go to 24. God has done all these things so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. So that all the peoples may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Now, when you see this, I want you to leave it right there. So when you look at this, evangelism and encouragement, they go together. Now, I want to be clear. Right now, I am standing with my very feet in the place where James Merritt preaches each and every week. We do not pra practice idol worship, and I will not do that. But what I want you to know is your pastor who is away these next couple of weeks he stands right there, and he may be the single greatest evangelist in America today. I genuinely mean that. And I'm not just talking about silver tongue being able to do stuff. I'm talking about a personal evangelist. And that is not to blow wind up his skirt. It's simply to say, hey, listen, I want you to know that I stand here not as James Merritt with his ability and his courage. I stand here as a man who works on it. But we believe that the work of Jesus Christ on the cross is the greatest thing we have ever been given. We want to see the greatness of God. We want to savor Jesus' work on the cross. We want to share the good news of the gospel. Why? So that all peoples on the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. You see, when I think about that, I think that believers are to share the good news of the gospel. Period. Are you? Am I? This morning, ask God to give you courage to simply step out of your comfort zone and, and walk across the street, take a best news card. This is last, a couple weeks ago, I, I, my son and I were together and I said, hey, listen, Matthew, I want you to go and take this tip to that person that served us. And he was all about giving my money away. <laughs> he likes to eat my money and drive my money and sleep under the roof of my money. And he was all about giving the money away until I slipped him that best news card. And I said, son, I want you to take this with it. And I want you to say, hey, listen, would you read this card today? The information in it changed my heart and changed my life. And you should have seen, he was just like who? His father. He was backpedaling. He was backstroking. He wanted as far away from there as possible, not because he's a bad kid. It's because he's just like you and I. And you know what he did? He went and gave the money and just simply handed that best news card to the guy. That was his expression of obedience. Why? Because he's working on it. And to me, that's success because he stepped out of his comfort zone and he did what was not naturally comfortable with him. 
And if we believe this morning that believers share liberally, then we recognize that we must take a step of faith at times. We must share because we believe that God's greatest gift to us is his son, Jesus, and he is worthy to be followed. Last point is six. Believers fear reverently. Believers fear reverently. So Joshua said this, so all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty. Why? That you may fear the Lord your God forever. It's the most fundamental expression of faith in the Old Testament. It's not a slavish dread, but rather a continuous element of recognition of God's glory and his majesty. It is a wonderment of all of the gracious and glorious God that deserves our praise. In fact, the psalmist says it this way. The psalmist says in 103 verse 2, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. When you see these verses, when you see this this opportunity for us to fear the Lord God forever, we must go back and remember what it is that we have just been taught. The believers trust supremely because God is trustworthy. We follow obediently because action must follow faith. We remember constantly, so at the forefront of our minds, we remember what God has done. We share liberally so that all may know. We fear reverently. Because God is indeed all-inspiring. In the technical sense, he is awesome. My father would always uh, correct me when I say, man, this Ben and Jerry's ice cream is awesome. He said, no, that's missing the definition of the word awesome. Awesome means all-inspiring. Superheroes, ice cream, or PlayStation 5s are not awesome. God is awesome. All else is trivial junk. You see, memorial stones are simply reminders of the greatness of our God. It God that God provided for us in the past, he is trustworthy in our present and can be relied upon for our future. This morning in closing, I want to show you a picture of a dear friend of mine. This is Dustin Williams. Dustin and he uh, helps uh, kind of raise support dogs and this is one of his support dogs. Dustin Williams, uh, just leave that picture on the screen if you would. Dustin Williams on May the 10th uh, took a tr- quick trip to the mountains of Tennessee, a routine day hike that he said, hey, listen, I, I'm gonna just go on a day hike that I've done hundreds of times before. I'm gonna take this dog and we're just gonna have a great day and I'm gonna be home for dinner. My wife's cooking dinner and I plan to be there to eat it. He's 43 years old, he's in great shape husband of 20 years to a great wife, three beautiful daughters. He was a Christian, small group leader at his church. And he was planning to be home to eat dinner. Evening came, but it didn't, he didn't make it home that night. His wife called his cell phone over and over, and it continuously went to voicemail. Day after day, night after night, Dustin didn't come home. Search teams from Tennessee, Alabama, North Carolina, and Florida combed the woods for any sign of Dustin. 
After several days, Dustin's dog showed up at a home on the edge of the woods. No sign of Dustin. Sabrina, his wife, left this heartbreaking Facebook post on the 11th day of his search. And I'm, I'm on vacation. I'm watching this unfold and praying. And this is what it says here. Where are you? 11 days into the search, where are you? With, I think you can see it, a broken heart emoji. And I'll be honest, when I was at the beach, I wept thinking, how can that woman ponder the moments of this day The very next day, 12 days into the search, rescuers found Dustin's body. Details are still sketchy. In fact, I'm, I'm not even sure they've released publicly. There were some ravines and some cliffs and who knows exactly what took place. But Dustin's life and his death today serve as a memorial stone for those who knew him for the rescuers who searched for him and found him. And to all who read about his story and for all in the hearing of my words and for those that will be told the story in years to come. Why is his death, why is his life a memorial stone? He didn't talk about his business acumen. He isn't known for his hobbies or his accumulated assets. He's known for his love of Jesus, his commitment to teaching God's word to the students at his church, and to leading his family to do the very same. You see, Jesus, in Luke chapter 19, Pharisees were frustrated with Jesus and his disciples for teaching. And he were, they were trying to silence the disciples, and the Pharisees said this, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He, he, and Jesus answered and he says, I tell you, if these were silent, if these disciples were silent, the very stones would cry out. Dustin's wife shared this post and I want to read it to you in our closing. She shared this post on May the 30th, eight days after his body was found. And I want this to be our invitation this morning, our invitation for you online and you in the room to simply take stock of your pile of memorial stones. Let me read this to you if you would. Sabrina says this eight days after they found his body. It's really easy to say that I'm a Christian or I'm a believer. Some may even say I'm religious and most feel that's okay or enough. I have one question for you. Do you truly know what that means? Dustin Williams knew with every fiber of his being that it was to serve and worship our Lord and Savior. The relationship he had wasn't just words, he lived it out. He was loud and bold and proud of the gift he had been given. He didn't care what others thought of him and wasn't worried about worldly things. Stuff won't matter. Popularity, houses, cars, brands of clothing, none of it matters. Life matters and life is short. We only have a little time. And this widow of only eight days, she said these words, my prayer is that you, whoever reads this post, 
My prayer is that you would examine your heart so that you will also know without a doubt what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, to live for him and never look back. A life with no regrets. Then this mama who is now going to care for her children all the days of their life without the support and companion and helpmate that God had originally given to her. She writes these words, the best is yet to come. The stones will cry out this morning, folks. If you and I don't give glory to Christ, if we don't turn our hearts to Jesus, the stones will cry out still. Do you have a memorial stone right here in this pile that has written on it, forgiven on one side, and on the other side, it's the best is yet to come. That time in your life where without a shadow of a doubt that you surrendered your heart and your life toward Jesus. You see, the Bible says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible also says we've all fallen short and we all deserve death. But the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. You see, plain, simple, Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, do you have a relationship with our Savior? Can you look at that pile of stones and see that rock that says forgiven and say, see that stone that says, hey, rolled away. The grave is empty because Jesus gave his life to pay a penalty for you and for me that could never be paid. And it's in my pile of rocks. It's a memorial stone. You see, the stones will cry out. The angels in heaven will rejoice over one person that comes to faith in Christ. Do you know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior? And will you follow him for the rest of your life? Would you pray with me all across the room and online? Just bow your heads where you are. If you don't know Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask, will you just simply pray these words? Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Save me from my sin and give me a rock that says forgiven. And the best is yet to come. Father, come into my life and forgive me now in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you made that decision, we're done. If you made that decision this morning, I'd simply want to ask you to go to crosspointchurch.com slash decision or text Jesus to 678-255-2566. We want to follow up with you. We want to know what decision God has encouraged you to make this morning. Listen, here, here's the way we're going to close. We're going to close with Amanda and the band singing, Great Are You, Lord. And if you made a decision today, would you go online and just give us a record of that? But I want you to know that we are going to sing, we are going to celebrate, we are going to see that, you know what, this moment God has done amazing things. Great is our Lord. He's worthy to be praised. Would you pray with me right now? Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning. Father, great are you, Lord, as we sing and we celebrate your good hand upon our lives. Give us memorial stones 
to show us your greatness. In Jesus' name.